Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're looking closely at the Acts of the Apostles and uh, yesterday you were sharing the story of Stephen and his speech to the Sanhedrin. Do you think Stephen might have been a former priest, a former religious Jew himself, and this is why they picked on him? Oh, I don't know. That's that's possible. Um, what they hated about him was that he honored the name of Jesus. This this was the thing. Already, as we've seen this week, this riled the orthodox believers. They, they, they just couldn't stomach this. They tried to stop the apostles' teaching in the name of Jesus. Now, here was Stephen performing miracles in the name of Jesus and outstanding miracles, so he was getting a great reputation. And the false rumors were spread about him to try to stop this ministry from happening because every time these miracles were happening in the name of Jesus, Jesus was getting exalted and more and more people were coming to know Jesus, they were turning from their traditional beliefs and putting their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, we've seen that in his defense, uh, although Stephen is more interested in convincing his opponents of the truth than in just defending himself, he's gone back and he's talked about Abraham and he's talking about Moses, and we're going to pick it up in the middle of what he says in verse 27. But the one mistreating the other, this was the two people that were fighting, you know, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the two Israelite slaves that, that Moses had separated. But the one mistreating the other pushed Moses aside, saying, Who made you our ruler and judge? But you intend, do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? On hearing this, Moses fled to Midian, where he lived as a foreigner and where two sons were born to him. When he had been there for 40 years, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush while he was in the desert near Mount Sinai. This was an amazing sight, and when he approached, he heard the Lord speak to him from the bush, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and had to look away from the bush. Then the Lord told him, Take off your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. I have seen the way my people in Egypt are being afflicted. I have heard their cries to be delivered from their oppression, and I have now come to rescue them. So go now, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So through the angel who appeared to him in the bush, God sent back as their ruler and deliverer the same Moses whom the Israelites had rejected with the words, Who made you our ruler and judge? So what he's, he, what he's saying is, look, this is not the first time as a nation we've rejected the Savior. Moses was sent to Egypt to be your Savior, but at first he was rejected by the people. Just as when Jesus came, he was rejected by you. He's building up his argument. It was Moses who led them out of Egypt after performing miraculous signs at the Red Sea and during the 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness. Moses himself told the Israelites, God will send you another prophet like me, someone from among your own people. It was while Moses was leading the people in the wilderness that the angels spoke to him on Mount Sinai. He could receive God's living words on behalf of the people, words that are passed on to us today. But our forefathers refused to obey what God said through Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. So what, um, what he's saying by inference is just as Moses was rejected, so you have rejected Jesus. Uh, 
And just as they wanted to return to the oppression that they had in Egypt, so you want to continue in the oppression, the failure, the defeat that you have in all your religious observances instead of accepting the freedom that Jesus Christ can give you. They told Aaron to make them an idol that they could follow as their God. As for Moses, they said, we don't know what has become of him. This was the occasion when they made an idol in the form of a calf. They offered sacrifices to it and treated with honor something they had made with their own hands. So God turned away from them and left them to worship the heavenly planets like pagans. No wonder the prophets wrote, O house of Israel, did you bring me sacrifices and offerings in the desert for 40 years? No, you venerated the shrine of Molech and Rephan's star. For this I will send you into exile in Babylon." Our forefathers carried the tabernacle with them in the wilderness, made to the instructions God gave Moses. Our fathers brought this tabernacle with them when, under Joshua, they took the land from the nations they had to drive out. It remained here until David's time. Because he enjoyed favor with God, he wanted to provide a permanent temple as God's dwelling place among them. But it was his son Solomon who actually built the temple. However, the Most High God does not live in houses built with human hands. As the prophet writes, the Lord says, Heaven is my my throne, and earth my footstool. So what kind of house can you build for me? How can you determine where I dwell? Am I not the creator of all things everywhere? Now he's really got the attention of his listeners because Stephen is, is coming right up against their dependence upon the temple and its sacrificial worship instead of their dependence upon Jesus and the sacrifice he has made on the cross. So he continues, you leaders are so stubborn, your hearts are hardened and your ears deaf to the truth. He's saying you are just like those rebellious Israelites that wandered around in the wilderness, wishing they could go back to, to um, uh, Egypt, the bondage, rejecting the promises of God because of your unbelief to go into the promised land, opposing the one that God had raised up to be your savior. You're just like them. It's, there's, there's, it's sort of, there's no change. <laughs> You're exactly like your forefathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Your forefathers persecuted all the prophets. They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Now you have betrayed and murdered the one of whom they spoke. Yes, you who are so proud that you received the law through angels have disobeyed his words. Well, that's fight and talk. And I mean, he was actually pronouncing his own death sentence by taking them on in that way. The leaders were furious when they heard what Stephen said and shouted abuse at him. But Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, and as he looked up to heaven, he saw God's glory, with Jesus standing at God's right hand in the place of honor. He said, Look, I see heaven open and Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at God's right hand. Well, that, you see, that to these Jewish leaders, that was blasphemy. I mean, this is saying Jesus is God. He's reigning in heaven now. I mean, it's the truth, but it's the truth that they had rejected. They rejected Jesus' ministry. They failed to understand the cross. They rejected his resurrection. They rejected the apostles who are now teaching the truth. And now they reject Stephen. So the Jewish leaders covered their ears when they heard this and rushed at Stephen, yelling abuse at him. Interesting, you see, they're just very abusive. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The officials took their coats off and laid them at the feet of a young man called Saul. 
As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and shouted, Lord, do not condemn them for this sin. When he had said this, he died peacefully. Why? Why did God allow this to happen? That seems a mystery. But we've got a clue in that little bit of evidence that is given to us. The officials took their coats off and laid them at the feet of a young man called Saul. Now, this young man, Saul, became Paul, the great apostle to the Gentiles, responsible for bringing the Gentile nations to Christ. Paul later himself said that at the time of Stephen's death, he consented to his death. He agreed with it. But you wonder deep down what effect it had on him, seeing the way he died. And how did he die? He saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus reigning in glory. What happened to Saul of Tarsus when he was on the way to Damascus to persecute the church? A great light from heaven, a revelation, if you like, of the glory of God shone upon him, so wonderful that it blinded him. And he cried out, Who are you, Lord? And what he least wanted to hear, he heard. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What happened in Saul's life between seeing Stephen dying and that event? But I'm sure seeing that great light would have triggered off in Saul's memory that event of seeing Stephen die. A seed was falling into the ground and dying. But as a result of that, there was going to be a great harvest of believers in the kingdom of God. And you see, God views death differently from us. We see death as a tragedy. God sees the death of a believer as passing over into the greater glory that will be ours with him for all eternity. And Jesus is quite prepared to allow there to be martyrs if out of their martyrdom there will come glory for God and growth of his kingdom and the salvation of many other people. We don't look at things like that. We just want to preserve the life. But you see, nobody would be saved if the seed of the life of God's own Son hadn't fallen into the ground and died and produced this wonderful harvest of salvation for the billions of people that have believed ever since the crucifixion. So God's estimate of things is very different from ours. He is working out his purpose with his wisdom, not ours. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 